Hi, my name is Dr. Ryan Engler, and I am currently an associate professor at the University of Arizona College of Veterinary Medicine. Um, we are set to welcome in our inaugural class in August 2020. Whether that's in person or online remains to be seen, but I'm very excited to be here. I started here at the new job in February of this year. Um, and when I'm not actively preparing lectures, preparing modules to teach, or writing textbooks in my free time, I absolutely love the art of ballroom dancing. Okay, <laughs> that is that is the the that is the most well done comprehensive intro I've had to an episode yet. So I appreciate that. That is awesome. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, and we had five words. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you said it all. It was 30 seconds. Great stuff. Thank you so much. And it was great to have you and we're moving on. Uh, okay. So you said ballroom dancing. So what is, what counts as ballroom dancing? That's a great question. Um, so if you ask probably a hundred of us dancers, we would have different answers. Um, what I actively compete in currently um, are four major styles of dance that qualify. And so one style would be American rhythm, one would be American smooth, another would be international ballroom or standard dancing, and international Latin. Wait, so now, so I thought you were going to say I uh, specialize in the waltz, cha-cha, rumba, those categories sound very, very amorphous. Could you tell me a little bit about how something winds up in one of those four categories and not another? Like, where are the lines? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you what I know, keeping in mind it's a student perspective. But um, <laughs> the, the dance names that you mentioned fit quite well. You would be great at American Smooth. So that, that constitutes waltz. Tango, Foxtrot, and Viennese Waltz. Um, okay. American Smooth is unique compared to Standard because if you watch it, uh, in American Smooth, the partners split up or separate, they break frame, um, so they might be doing um, dance moves, uh, not in contact with one another or with limited contact, like a one handhold. Uh -huh. Whereas in International Ballroom, which is the European or English Waltz, uh, Foxtrot, Tango, uh, Viennese Waltz, you're always connected to your partner in closed frame all the time. You never do spins and turns, but in American Smooth, that's pretty much what we do. So some of them, they literally don't even do a thing where they would spin a dancer off even just a couple feet. You're always in contact? Yes. And wow. so I always thought that, you know, as a baby dancer, which I still think that I am, um, I always thought, wow, standard must be so easy because you're, you're glued to your partner all the time. And how hard would that be? Um, but actually, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most technically challenging because, you know, I'm not a pro dancer. You're still uh, working on technique. And to maintain your frame perfectly for a minute and a half is really, really hard. And if you start to slip out of frame and lose it and you don't know how to reconnect in a way that is going to help your dance, things go downhill really fast. And so one, one of the nice things I've learned in American Smooth when you can break frame is if you start to slip, my pro partner can turn me. So it looks really pretty to the audience, but we both know he's doing it to get me back where I need to get back. Um, so you can kind of salvage things, but in smooth or in standard rather, it is what it is. <laughs> What it, so describe is when you said frame, I'm like, I pictured it as if I was watching on video and you step out of the frame. What is actual what in the terminology of dance? What constitutes the frame? Um, that's great for smooth and standard. Um, a closed frame would be where essentially if I'm I'm facing my partner, um, your rib cage might change. But essentially my left uh, hand is usually on his right uh, bicep or upper arm. Mm -hmm. So that completes that side of the frame. And then my right hand is connected to his left hand. Um, and then things that can change if you're in frame, he can move me to promenade, which is a different pattern and, and way you move around the dance floor, but you can still maintain your grip on each other. Okay, that is fascinating. So I, it sounds like I'm, I'm thinking about poetry where some poetic forms are extremely restrictive and stringent about what qualifies as that poem, and other poems are much more loosey-goosey. When you talk about frame, like a closed frame, I'm seeing this now where some things are 
not supposed to change, and you would be judged if you changed those rigid parts of the clothes frame. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so if I were to let go, um, say my left, if my left hand came off of his right shoulder at any point in standard, that's not considered technically right. Okay. Um, at a competition, depending on the stakes, we may do that. You know, if it's not a championship or scholarship round, if it's do that or else you could hurt yourself. But you are supposed to be, yes, maintained in, in proper boundary. So tell me a little bit about that. Is it sometimes where somebody is going off or you lose your balance and then there are certain times where you wouldn't be so worried about the the, the stringent quality of the clothes frame so you might reposition and you know you're not really going to be judged heavily on that? Yeah, so in, in championships, you're usually competing for medals and scholarships, you're competing usually for some degree of money, which isn't usually a lot, um, but it's more the prestige. And so Every, every competition has different rules. Um, the judges are always looking at you, but they're looking at how you recover as well. And I compete in pro-am events, which means one half of the partnership is an amateur like me, a student, and one is the pro partner. So I think they're a lot more lenient because we're, we're not doing that as our day job. We're doing it for fun as a hobby. And so um, if, you, if you danced standard and never maintained your closed frame that would be a major violation but okay. if you're if you're spinning in viennese waltz and like you're slipping meaning i start to the tendency for women is to slide to the right in the frame it just is the way it is and that interferes with the centripetal force that spins and it makes things unbalanced so if i need to get myself way over to the left sometimes it's best me just to let go of that shoulder for a second and regrip because I'm still learning how to move my body without doing that. A pro woman could could make it work without disconnecting frame, but I'm not that that advanced. <laughs> so in a, in a very rep, in a very repetitive dance, as you start to get out of out of kilter, does with every spin or every addition to the movement, does the out of kilter, unless it gets corrected, does it just sort of get worse and worse yes. and worse? Okay. Yes, it does. And and honestly, a great pro guy can compensate for that in some ways, but it, it then looks disjointed. So like my partner can compensate for me not being perfect because it's rare I'm ever perfect. Um, <laughs> that's That would be a miracle, but there's different degrees of bad. And yes, as you go along, if you are not properly connected to your partner, it's bad for many reasons. One, it looks it looks weird. Two, it looks like you're not one body dancing. Mm -hmm. It looks like I'm not listening to him. And the truth is I don't, when I don't have my connection, I don't know what he wants me to do. So I start guessing because those connections help you to know what direction he wants to go. Is he pausing or hesitating? Are we going backwards, left, right, diagonal? Um, it's so easy when we're connected to feel that. But when we start to slip, suddenly I'm like, hmm, I didn't get the signal. Do you want to go right, left? And then I make a choice and it's usually the wrong choice. <laughs> and then the guy has to compensate for that. So it's like a comedy of errors of, of me having to turn off my brain and just go where he wants me to go, which works until it doesn't. Are there a number, you talk about pro-am, so you're in a position where uh, the man is the pro and the woman is the amateur. Are there a number of pairs where uh, the man is the amateur and the woman's the pro? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, actually we're all mixed together on the floor. So there are pro-pro events uh, <laughs> where, where both couple or both people in the partnership are pros and then there's pro-am and when I compete I'm against couples that are like me or not like me so some of the couples are pro-men amateur women but I'm also competing against amateur men and pro-women okay and so um, how they usually tell the guys apart at an event usually there's a color code because the guys will have um, a white rectangle uh, tacked to their back of their jacket uh -huh. and usually it depends on the event but the pros tend to have letters in black and then the amateur men will have letters in a different color like orange or something because 
pro-am events, they often are judging by the student. And so that way they can tell who in the couple is the amateur. What do they do? So in the in the ways you described, is it easier in a pair of dancers if if the woman starts getting out of kilter in that waltz, is it easier for the person who's leading to get it back in sync? Or is it also possible in those situations where if the man is leading a waltz, but he's the amateur and the pro needs to get him back in sync, is it easier or harder for the non-leading partner to kind of get back in with them? That's does that make a sense? Question. Yeah, it does make sense. I've asked the teachers that, um, and and they both they both seem to say there's strengths and and negatives to to both sides of the coin. Okay. I think that the pro women get very w- good at what they call back leading, so they can kind of force you to move the way they want you to, um, if you're getting into trouble. And we as amateur women have to be careful. We don't try to back lead because we don't. <laughs> You know, like we might force the guy to move in a certain direction they didn't want to go. Um, so pro women, pro women have to know a lot about how to protect themselves and hold their body in a way that they won't get injured. Okay. Um, and they have to kind of, I would say that I give lots of props to amateur men because I, I think my job is hard, but I don't have to lead and pay attention to what's going on around me. So when I'm doing my job right as an amateur woman, I'm letting my partner lead me over the floor. It's not my job to drive and decide what we're doing and when. And so I can just tune out. Now, it's easier said than done. It's easier, especially when you're talking about me, a veterinarian, I'm used to making decisions. So it's (laughs) it's, it's hard to turn my mind off. But when it works and I just let him lead, that's great. But imagine now you're an amateur man and now you're trying to think, well, what steps do I do? What pattern? How do I lead? And who's behind me? And can I go backwards or am I going to bump into somebody? Right. And so you kind of have to think about you and protecting your pro woman uh, leader. You know. are, there, are there women in these dances who lead and the, and the men follow? Yes. Well, well, oh, you mean, sorry, you mean that the pro the leader would be the woman's part the woman would stand the woman leads the dance and the man is the following partner um i have not seen that no there are same-sex couples and in that case yes um you know one would be the leader and one would be the follower um they are starting to make an appearance um in competitions which is cool um i did not go but i think it was unique danzarama that just did a, a same sex competition uh, and really so cool. yeah we're going to see a lot more of that and actually as i understand it there's a lot more of that especially in the junior division in uh, europe especially england uh-huh. because like like many things in dance there are more women than men so there aren't always enough guide partners to go around so it's it's very common and normal in england to see two girls or two women dancing um, and one of them chooses to be the lead and one is the follow until they can find a, a, a partner. But seldom do they, it sounds like seldom is it a choice in, in the competitions you've seen or in the work that's being done. Seldom is it a choice where there's a man and a woman who dance together and the woman leads. Correct. If it's a pro woman, she usually is the quote unquote follower, though she may back lead the guy to get okay. him to go some places. So you mentioned that you were a veterinarian. So you've obviously been a veterinarian for a while. When did you get started dancing? Yeah, when did you get started dancing? Um, there's two answers to that. The funny answer <laughs> was like a, a ballet school dropout when I was like three or four. Um, I was enrolled in ballet because my best friend, who was like the same age at the time, wanted to go. And I wanted to be just like her. So I begged to go to ballet. I didn't know anything about ballet. My mom did not tell me how much she hated ballet when she was, <laughs> she's like, okay, sure, you can go. Because my parents were very much into, you can do anything you want. You just can't quit. You have to finish through what you agree to do. So if you sign so, up for the class, you got to go I, to the stretch. Exactly. Okay. So I went to, we signed up. Day one came, I hated it. <laughs> I hated every part of it. Like, I wish we had smartphones and recorders because back then no one had a camcorder unless you were like some IT executive person. I wish we had one because I was like the world's worst flower. We were supposed to be like these flowers on stage at a recital. 
Yeah. I hated yeah. the dress. I was not a girly girl. I had this big rosette pink flower on, on the chest of this piece. And I was three or four. And you were supposed to, like, grow on stage and, like, become not wilted but look beautiful. And I was just not into it. Like, I was <laughs> terrible. So I, I honestly, after the semester finished, I think the teacher is probably like, wow, that girl has no talent. Like, she can go home and never come back. And I was glad to never dance again and thought, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not going to ever work. And we can so, I ask, was that, did you say that's when you were three or four? Yes. Do you remember how much you hated that ballet class? I do. I do remember it. And the lady, the teacher was never mean. I just remember once she said I was not graceful and I never would be. I just flunked around. And maybe that's what injured me because I thought forever I would never dance beautifully. But she, you know, I, I only remember the best part of the class was when it ended and that I always got a juicy juice juice box from the machine, vending <laughs> machine. And that was a good thing, right? It was a good thing. I got hot <laughs> and pepperidge farm goldfish, and that was all I cared about. Like, <laughs> but I yeah. love the fact that you do remember touches of that. That's a long way. I mean, I remember little touches of like kindergarten and stuff too, but it's interesting that you remember that. Okay, so that was your first technical start. It did not go well. No, it didn't go well. And so I think everybody pretty much thought it was a lost cause for that. I, I later found out my mother hated ballet, and I think she had to do it till she was 14 or 16 or something. Oh. At any rate, I became a veterinarian. I graduated from Cornell in 2008, um, and then I practiced in Maryland for a year and a half. Then I went back to upstate New York, and at that time, I finally realized, wow, a lot of my life has passed me by in just working. I don't know anybody. I don't really go out. I'm not a bar person. So I was like, I'm never going to meet anybody, like not even to, to date, but just to do anything. Right. Um, and so I thought, what am I going to do? And, and one of my clients kept forcing me to date one of their friend's sons. And finally, <laughs> I agreed against my better judgment. <laughs> but I'm like, this lady's never going to give up. So we agreed to go out. And this was upstate New York, Corning. Um, there's not much to do there. Like you can walk down Market Street and go to the Glass Museum. So you run out of things real quick. And we were walking down the street and then I saw a little flyer that said group dance class. And I was like, oh, that sounds like interesting. And I don't know why. I think it's because I watched Dancing with the Stars at that point. Yeah. And I thought that would be kind of fun. And to be honest with you, I wasn't really into that guy that much. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could do something, listen to cool music. Okay, like, that's cool. I was getting bored of the glass museum. I thought you were going to ask him, oh, we should totally take this class together. Well, I did, yeah, so I, well, I did ask. So I said, do you want to go? Because I thought it'd be something for us to do, right? But it would be low key. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, sure, I would love to. And this is a great example of really bad communication. So <laughs> he says, I would love to go. Nothing would make me happier. And I thought, wow, he seems really into it. Okay. Well, we met the teacher, Monica, and um, we went once a week for like eight weeks. And actually, I loved it. I didn't think I would. I was pretty bad at it. And at the end of the eight weeks, I said, wow, I really like it. Should we sign up for the next class? And he goes, sure, I would love to. So he did that for like three sessions, right? Wow. He, never he never told me he hated it. Like he, he just showed up and did it and whatever. And at the end of the three sessions, when I wanted to sign up for number four, he's like, this is terrible. Why are you making me do this? And I said, why? You never told me you hated it. It would have been helpful <laughs> for you to tell me that, right? <laughs> so I said to Monica, well, what am I going to do? Nick doesn't want to do it. And so she goes, well, you could just come by yourself. So that's an important part of the story because I, I did. Now, Nick and I only dated for another two months because that, that communication mishap happened in lots of areas. But what I'm grateful for it is it, it taught me dance and it taught me that I could go by myself and not feel weird. So fast forward to Arizona. When I moved out to Arizona the first time, um, I was building uh, Midwestern University College of Vet Medicine as founding faculty. And again, I found myself in a weird, you know, neighborhood. I was the only single person. Everyone had families, you know, moms and kids. I didn't really fit in. And 
I was working long hours and I said, I need to get out. I need to do something. And my friend from upstate New York, Brian, who I worked with said, well, why don't you, you really like dance. Why don't you call up a dance studio? And so one day I did, and I happened to, to leave my name and number at like four different studios in, in Arizona. And I got a call back from Arrowhead Arthur Murray. So that really began my true passion for uh, competitive dancing. At the time, I really just spent the first year there working on social stuff, social dancing, um, and just being more comfortable with myself. And then Lowell joined our studio, and he's currently my my pro teacher. And um, the rest is kind of history. Um, we just started to dance together, and, and then he convinced me to do dance choreography routines that he filmed or put together. And then somehow he convinced me to wear heels, and then that led to dresses and makeup. <laughs> but that and was a slow transition, is that? Uh, yeah, it, he's been very patient. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a big tomboy. Um, I will dress the part to, to do what I have to do for competitions. But yeah, so I wore practice shoes for probably two years, and they looked like sneakers, like really ugly black tennis shoes. But they don't have heels, so I liked them. Um, and you could wear socks with them, yes. you know, they were comfortable. Um, so yeah, then I had to wear, wear heels. And then we had a, a lesson that was very much like the secret garden with Colin, who, you know, is learning how to walk because I, I'd never worn heels. And suddenly I'm not just walking in them. I have to walk in them. That's, That's the, part the part that sounds brutal. If you didn't like walking, I mean, it's hard enough. I have this fascination where when women walk away from me, when they have heels, I'm drawn immediately to the bottom of the heel because it's weird to watch. And no matter how good they are in heels, every human being who walks in heels, when the heel comes down, the shoe, the foot wobbles. It wobbles. Yes. It is always uncertain. And now, not just walking, first you have to, then you have to dance in heels. This sounds brutal. Yes. And I'd never worn them in my life. <laughs> I went from zero. I just didn't like them. So I never wore them. Right. So I went from zero to like running down the dance. And Was I there a lot of falls? Did you, you know, the twisting out of the ankle when, how would this go? You know, I was really afraid to fall. And I remember, I remember being really, like Lowell and I will laugh and I'm never really truly angry at him. But I remember him standing like three feet away from me and being like, come on, come to me, you can do it. <laughs> and then I like was so happy because I got like within two inches of him and then he backed up and then I <laughs> Hated him for a moment. <laughs> I was like, no. And it kept doing that for like an hour. Um, I was afraid to fall for the first like year. I still am afraid to fall during Viennese waltz. Um, he would tell you that, and that's true. Um, I did not fall. I think he's very good at keeping me balanced and safe. And, um, you know, he made me laugh once because I wouldn't do something he wanted me to do because I was afraid I was going to fall. And then I was afraid I was going to fall on him, which is a whole other story. So he said, well, it's not that big of a deal if you fall. Look. And he, like, totally fell down, like, in the most uh, unglorified <laughs> way. He just, like, collapsed on the floor backwards. And he's laying on the floor staring up at me, and he's like, that really wasn't bad. The falling's not the bad part. It's the impact. <laughs> <laughs> And then I yeah. laughed and then like, I don't know, he just, he, he would always make it look worse if he did it. So then I didn't feel as, as crazy, but it, it was, it's, it's been a transition and, um, you know, I, I finally was able to do that. And then once he said I had to wear makeup and I said, and, and you know me long enough, you can probably get a kick out of this because you know, I was not being a smart ass. I looked at him and I said, I have chapstick. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he, and he, yeah, he was like, because I don't, I never wore makeup either. And he's like, um, no, you need this. And then I had to go get whatever at the store. Um, but he's been very good. Yes, it's been a long, almost six years of him having to kind of train me, but at my own pace. 
when was the switch? So you had some time uh, where you were where you were really getting comfortable with it and just doing it socially and enjoying it. Where was the switch over to? I think I want to be competitive because given what I know about your work life, I mean I don't think you're competitive, but very driven. And so, what was the switch? Was it a? It might have been an easy transition from somebody just offered, "Hey, let's compete," and you're like, "Yes, let's do it." What, what was it like? What was the switch over like? No, it was. <laughs> I needed convincing. Yeah, I am very driven, and you're right. I compete with myself exclusively. And so um, that's the part that I, I had trouble swallowing work, you know, working with other people. But um, I think part of it was Arthur Murray does different in-studio events. And so um, you get to know the people in your studio, um, you get comfortable with them, you build friendships. And one of the events that they did was what's called Arthur Awards. And probably every studio has different names for it. But Essentially, you create a, a one-minute-ish routine with your dance teacher about anything, really. And then you perform it in studio. Now, the idea is if you like it and you're competitive, you then use the studio as a forum to practice it, right, in front of people. Yep. And then you build up to something better and do it at a, an event and a, a performance solo. Um, but a lot of people just just do routines for the fun of it. And it's like a fun night. And so that's what started it. Lowell said, well, we can do a routine. Wouldn't that be fun? And I said, well, I'm not doing it in front of other people. And he's like, no, no. <laughs> he's like, just the people at our studio. I was like, well, I don't want them staring at me. I don't like people staring at me. I like to be a wallflower. And he's like, well, why don't we put a mask? We can make you a cat. And he knows how to, how to come up with things that sound semi-intriguing to me. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm, he always says I'm kind of like the nice Sheldon Cooper, like I'm super intellectual and I always am thinking about facts, but I don't always necessarily know how to socialize, yeah, right? Yeah. But he would, he would tap into that and be like, don't you want to be a Jaguar? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> and then I think about it and I'm like, I could wear a mask. And even though I know people still knew it was me, he convinced me that I'm really not Ryan. I'm really like the Jaguar. So I said, okay, Lowell, I'll do that. And I said, now listen, I don't want anything romancy, like, cause I will start laughing because like, <laughs> I'm not an actress. And at that time, like we'd only known each other for six months. And I, I had watched other people do routines. And some of these are like fantasy things. And like, it just seemed weird to me. Like yeah, I yeah. can't pretend that well. There was, there was act, basically there was kind of acting involved in their emotions toward each other. Yes, and it's like I like you as a person, but I don't know anything more about you. So like, let's not have some kind of wedding thing here. Like, yeah. I don't want to do that because I'll laugh, and then that <laughs> 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 the laughing jaguar could have been a thing though. I feel there like you missed out, but okay. I could have been. So he said, "Well, we don't have to do anything uncomfortable." And in fact, we then started probably the most a series of crazy routines that then were action-packed. And I liked that because I was much better at being in action and not thinking about slow movement than, than having to do something, you know, completely uh, out of my area. And so we did the Jaguar Tango was our first one. Uh -huh. And I was a Jaguar. I had a tail. I loved my tail, too. That was cool. And he was a, a safari photographer and he wheeled, wheeled himself out in his little kid's car because he has kids, little plastic Tyco or whatever car. And uh, we played, we danced to the song, Bust the Windows Out My Car. And I never listened to the lyrics, which actually are about some really angry woman that bashes all the windows out of the car. <laughs> Someone like cheats, or her husband or the guy cheats on her. I never listened to any of that, but I got to bash out. He had like fake little saran wrap windows. And it was a lot of fun because it was right before my my um, ABVP advanced licensing exam. Uh -huh. So he said it would be really good for my stress level. So I'm so I was all for it. So basically he's trying to photo photograph me and I'm not having any of it. So I, I actually turn on him and he loves to play act and he loves to have death scenes. At the end, I jump on him and he just dies and he like does this whole crazy fun thing. So I was like, that's cool. As long as I don't die in any of them, you can. That's all right. So that was our first routine. And then we also did um, really cool 
Star Wars routines later. We had lightsabers with a pasta doble. I did a Hunger Games routine. I shot bows or arrows. So at some point, sorry, I know I've rambled, but no, 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 I'm I'm enjoying this because I didn't. I I've seen one of your Star Wars routines on a YouTube channel, and I'm wondering about yes, very. You don't want to do the acting of like the the fake romance, the all that stuff, but still action stuff. That's uh, it sounds like you do get into the roles, but more actiony roles. Yes, I think for me, what was good is because I'm not a very brave person in and of myself. Though some people might argue with that, but I, I'm more shy and timid, and not the one to jump out in people's faces and conflict and. I think dance for me became an arena where I started to feel bolder and braver and Mo put me in roles where I could succeed and they felt like they had power roles in a good way, like in a constructive way. And so with working through those action things, I felt like I could see the me that was a different side that I never knew in a safe place. And so that kind of built up. And then uh, at some point it made me feel confident enough that I could be like, well, maybe I actually could be a good dancer. Like, not just, oh, that's Ryan in an action fun routine. Like, yeah. isn't that cute or fun or nice or, or cool? It's, no, actually, you could be really good at this. And, and Lowell was really the best teacher for me because I started out for six months with a different teacher. And that teacher met his goals. He met his his check off boxes for me at the time I just wanted to be a social dancer and and talk to people but because I was in that box he never thought I could do anything more and Lowell came along and was like okay so you're not the most coordinated person okay so you never wore heels okay so you're not a girly girl like that doesn't mean you can't look good and do great dancing and so he actually took me and and groomed me into what I wanted to become, which was like, no, I don't want to be that girly girl princess person. But yeah, I would like to go out there and look like I can do a really graceful waltz. Like I do still want to be pretty. Like I want to look pretty out there. I don't always want to hide behind something. And so um, at some point he created a really nice waltz routine and it didn't have glitz and glitter and, and action and it didn't have you know, any mask. And it was just done at our studio. And then uh, he was like, okay, well, why don't we try it at one of the local bigger events? And we have um, showcases twice a year. And that's where all the Arthur Murrays in Arizona get together. And over the years, you kind of meet those people. So they're kind of like an extension of your family. And so I ended up doing one of the routines there. And they'd always seen me as Ryan, the action person. Um, and then suddenly I had people say, wow, that looked actually, you know, really nice. And so I felt safe and okay to do that. And then at some point he convinced me, I don't know how I've, I haven't figured that part out to then go full out and compete freestyles with multiple people on the same floor. When I'm, I'm fascinated, one of the questions I ask everybody is who helps. And I think it's clear that the number one person who helped you with your dance is Lowell from your perspective, In, when you first met him and started working with him, <clears throat> did you tell him that you wanted to grow in this way? Or was this sort of an organic thing that he's the kind of person who tries to pull people out of their shells? Or do the two of you just have this kind of unique thing that this happens? So did you ask for this? Or did he? does he normally do this? Or is it just something the two of you kind of did? That's a neat question. I would say it's kind of like a fusion. So one of the best things about Lowell as a teacher is I think he works with each individual student to figure out their goals and dreams and who they are. So how he dances with me looks entirely different than how he dances with Eileen or Justine or other other students. Okay. Because he knows who they are. And I think that's the difference. He takes time to learn what's, what's unique to that person. Um, we had goals, dance goals, but no, they weren't that I'm going to evolve into a beautiful dancer or compete at this event or whatnot. I truly think organically he looked at who I was as a person and what sort of things meshed with my personality, but what sort of other life struggles I was dealing with and how to make dance teach me those life skills. So in a way, I mean, I don't have a life coach, but I always say he's my life coach because, uh, for example, 
being founding faculty is hard and I was new and I look super young and part of that is also because I don't really dress up and I don't wear makeup and so I look like I'm 12 half the time. (laughs) that, That doesn't always make it easy when you know you're in a meeting or boardroom and you know you're leading your field in certain research like clinical communications but you look like a baby. Um, and, and you're quiet and shy and you don't really know how to stand up for yourself. And so as you got to know, or as we got to know each other, he would learn about struggles at work or, you know, things that were annoying me or frustrating, right? Yeah. You know, because I would come in and be like, wow, you know, this person said da 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 and I really wish I would have said this and I, I don't know how to do that or I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to seem like I was bragging or this, you know, random stuff, right? Yeah. And kind of like a coach would do and he was like okay well why don't we think about this and and he always had a solution if that makes sense and and he's kind of the braver bolder person of the two of us and he would he would test me by saying well next time why don't you say that or here's what I would have done why don't you try it out and so I think he he knew what tools I was missing in real world and he said if I can make that happen in dance and you feel like it's successful, then maybe you'll realize you can actually have that trickle over into your everyday life. Does that mean you, so when you sort of put on these roles in dancing, does that mean, do you now put on roles in your professional life? In other words, do you put the makeup on and dress up like whatever the typical professional faculty member is supposed to wear now or No, that's a good question. (laughs) No, but I'm more, I'm more um, willing to speak up, I guess would be it. And I'm still me in many ways, but I'm less afraid to do things I wouldn't like before, before I met Lowell, I probably would have always been yes, yes, yes to everything. Even if I didn't want to do something, because I'd be afraid to turn someone down or to say, I don't have enough time or, you know, whatever you name it. And now I'm better apt to think, well, wait, why is that sentence phrased that way in this contract? Or, well, wait, is that really the best way we should approach the situation? Yeah. And so I have a voice and I think he kind of, he taught me that. Um, And he also is a good balance act for me because if I didn't have dance, all I would do is teach, teach, teach. And I love teaching, it's a passion of mine. I would never wanna be different as a teacher or different than a veterinarian, um, I don't have a regret about those life goals. But dance is fulfilling in a way that it has taught me I'm more than just a definition. And before dance, I would have said, hi, my name is Ryan and I'm a veterinarian, period. Or I'm a, you know, a veterinary professor, period. And I was defined in everything I did by my work and now, you know, as you see from my intro, that goes on and on. <laughs> like, there's more to me. And now I can say to people, well, yeah, I'm a veterinarian, but also I dance and I also do this. And I have a life outside of, of just the office. And, and this is what it is. To, this is what it means to be happy. If that makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so internally, it helps you. Um, what do others think? So for instance, when you say your bio has changed at once upon a time, you would have said, I'm just a veterinarian. Now you share this other thing that's so important to you. What do people seem to think? How do they respond when you say, especially maybe in a professional situation where they're like, I'm this and this and this and this, and also I dance. How do people respond to finding out that you're a ballroom dancer? I think it depends on the region of the country. And I laugh. Really? Okay. Kansas was just a disaster. (laughs) Other than my students, I I will preface it, the disclaimer, I love my Kansas students, so it has nothing to do with them. But a lot of the people that I worked with at the vet school there weren't very keen on dancing, and they thought, you only dance in the privacy of your own home with your husband. And so I had the very unfortunate situation of of having people love pictures of Lowell and I on the dance floor. I mean, beautiful, nice, well-put-together ballroom dress attire, like not scantily clad Latin, you know, outfits or clothes. Right. And they loved the pictures until they asked, well, how long have you been married to him? And then you'd say really nonchalantly, well, I'm not married to him. Like, let me explain. He's my teacher, blah, blah, blah. 
And then the look of horror would come over their face and they're like, <laughs> wait, you're not even engaged? No, I would say. You're not, you're not dating? No. Then why do you have a picture of you touching him? And I'm like, well, it's kind of hard to do Viennese waltz without touching somebody, but okay. So they were horrified, but... Um, <laughs> That's but, weird. I mean, I didn't... I, you don't think about that. It sounds like you lived your own little footloose experience in Kansas. Of, oh, my God. What is the deal? Is anti-dance thing going on? It really was. It was a hard three years, I'll tell you. But other than Kansas, I think people... I think it's been most valuable for my students. Um, you'd have to ask them, but at least I've had I've had many of them say to me, I love that you do something other than vet medicine because they, in many ways, are like the younger me. That pretty much, to be a vet, you need to be driven, and and most of the time, that's all you do. You put your pedal to the metal, and you focus, and you do everything to get the end goal, right? Yeah. And then you get the end goal, and you're like, well, wait a second, is that all all I am? And that works great when you're having good days. But we all have sucky days or hard days or bad days or days where the clients aren't happy or you have to euthanize 100 million pets, right? Yeah. And then, and then who are you? You you lose track of your identity. And so students have said to me, and, and that's why I've started to put a picture of Lowell and I or, or us dancing in PowerPoints of mine at the end, you know, in the question slide. Because students then started to ask, well, wait a second, what are you going to do? When is your next event? You know, and, and they liked hearing about life outside of of school. And so that's valuable for sure. Um, I think also it's helped me to be more confident and other people who might not have thought that they could dance, dance, right? Because it's not like I'm the person that's been dancing since age two. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I'm 36 and almost 37. And so I'm a good person to say, you know what? It's not too late. I started at age 30. Like, you know, what's your excuse? You you can do it. You know, if anybody can, it's, it's, it's somebody, you know, anybody can do anything they put their mind to. Um, I have had people say to me, and at first it's, it's kind of a weird compliment. It doesn't sound like a compliment, but you have to process it. But a couple of times people will say, well, you don't look like a dancer, you know, meaning <laughs> when you ask them what that means and, and they're blunt, they're like, well, you're not a size two. You're not a size zero. You're not a little twig of something. You don't look like the guys can do lifts and pick you up over their head. And I'm like, well, no, I'm, I don't do lifts. And, and no, I'm not a size two. And I'm never going to be a size two. But there are beautiful dancers that can be a size 18, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm a size 12. You know, so what? That doesn't, that doesn't make me define me. So you can be a normal body type. You can have hips, you can have a butt, like you cannot be a skinny little twig and you can still move and look graceful. So I guess I'm kind of a living example of you can defy the, the standards that sometimes I think people set in their mind that, that keep them from doing what they might be good at. See, even when you have the hobby where you're trying not to teach, you just wind up going full circle <laughs> and teaching again, Ryan. I do, and we have science facts every day during my uh, during my lessons with Lowell. So we're always, <laughs> we're always teaching, and and he actually, I think why it works is he frames a lot of our our lessons in veterinary anatomy, um, and so it helps me learn what I'm supposed to do or what I don't want to do, based on whatever action he's he's describing. In other words, almost like some sort of anatomical or orthopedic vision of how your bones and muscles are working or how you're supposed to move? Yes. So, for okay. example, like um, cats. If you look at cats, they should not look like they're walking in, in flip-flops. They look like they're walking on high heels, <laughs> like the way their, their heels are set up. Um, and so in, in dance, you're supposed to, in certain things, have your heel up and you know, again, I don't like doing that. I like flat footed. I like my sneakers. And one of the coaches was trying to work with me on, on keeping my heel up and it just wasn't sticking. I knew what he was saying, but it just didn't compute. My body was like, whatever. And Lowell took me aside and he's like, it's really simple. Why are you walking like a diabetic cat? Because diabetic cats have <laughs> neuropathy, right? And, and their, their ankle 
drops and they're hot <sighs> on the ground. And I said, oh, I don't want to be a diabetic cat. That's not good. <laughs> and so like, like literally in 10 seconds, that changed everything. And the coach was like, what do you mean you're fine now? And, and Lowell goes, just turn on the music. You'll see. And I did it perfectly. And the coach was so puzzled. He's like, I don't even know what that meant. But if it worked for you, it worked for you, right? Or um, another good example is there's certain moves that you're supposed to do, like in American rumba. And rumba uh -huh. is a dance I'm learning to like. But it was really hard for me because that is a girly kind of sensual dance, slow dance, whatever. And there's certain moves that you're supposed to learn how to do because it looks good on the floor. It looks cutesy or the judges like it, right? And there's one thing that's like an under an underarm turn. And the guy lifts his arm up and I'm turning to the right under him. And as I turn, you're supposed to take your, like, your hand and my, with your left hand as the girl kind of caress the chin or like do this weird thing. And to me, it's just weird. Like I don't act, you know, so I always wanted to laugh. <laughs> I, was, I had a whole lesson on how to do this because you either had to caress their chin or touch their chest. And I'm like, I don't know what's well, more awkward. So we'll just figure it out. And at one point, Lowell's like, you're not getting this. You're just laughing. And I'm like, yeah, because it's weird. And he said, don't you want to be a cat? Cat's bad at mice that are half dead. Just pretend <laughs> I'm your dead mouse. Don't you want to bat at me? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. I could do that, right? And it's bizarre and weird, but like it gave me a concept. And I'm like, okay. So then I did it. And again, the coach is like, I don't even understand that. That just sounds bizarre, but all right, it worked. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that this is the last question I come to because I think this is the one that is probably most interesting to me in all of this thinking about the dance um, is how does dancing make you feel and has that changed through the years or has there been some feeling that has always been maintained from the time you first picked it up from that first flyer and saw the group class to now how does it how has it made you feel do you have about 25 hours <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go through the dictionary you have a thesaurus of like every emotion i can think of i know i could have lots of stories but i better rein it in um I would say this is a more recent feeling. Um, I think a feeling of accomplishment, of doing something you never thought you could be good at. I was always Ryan the scientist, the veterinarian, then the textbook writer, um, but again, all vet related. And suddenly I'm like, wow, I can go out of my comfort zone and feel safe. And I guess safety is is a term that I would come back to. I wish there was a better word for it, but there's a feeling of security. And again, I'm for somebody who is introverted and more in her shell and I watch the world go by and I'm not passive. I think about a ton of things. I don't like conflict, but I'm always thinking and processing. It's different for me to, to go out on a ledge and I have to feel secure to do that. And I think the beauty of dance, especially with a, a teacher pro-am relationship, is that when you have a teacher who understands you better than you understand yourself at times, they can create that zone. And if I was with a different teacher, I may never have gotten to this point because my original teacher, again, didn't really think I could be better. And that's not me being mean to me or him. He was just kind of lumped me in a box and, and didn't think about what could be, right? right. Um, so that's that's really my fault in a way because I, I checked off the box. I want to be a social dancer. But Lolk has been, has been beautiful for me as a dance teacher, coach, and life person because he's made me feel that I can do it. And he set me up for success. And he's very good about setting expectations. So he never sets a bar that I can't reach. And they're all doable but they're not the typical bars you would think of. So like, I remember um, the first time I actually competed for a medal, right? And it was this big deal and I was super stressed about it. And he took me aside and he's like, look, we're gonna put our names on the entry form. You're not gonna win. And it, it wasn't him being <laughs> mean, right? 
and I and I, I we're very honest and blunt. He's like, the whole purpose is not for you to win. You're not at a point where you're good enough to win. You're at a point where you look like you belong out there, period. So I need you to get out there and I need to see that this is an environment that you could excel at. It's going to take time. Do you even want to do it, right? This is low stakes. So I know you're stressed. Let's go out. Let's see. Afterwards, you can tell me, I never want to do that again, Mole. And he's like, I won't push you. But if you say, you know, I think I could see myself here, then great. And so like that, that's his strategy. And so I went in knowing, okay, fine, I'm not going to win silver, gold, bronze, whatever. Like my goal is to feel, is this for me? And then I loved it. And then like last time we were in, um, last August, we went to a big competition, four day competition. And I'd never done open patterns before and open champ or open scholarships. You're competing against anyone and at any level. So people who are a lot better than you and often they have lots of intense choreography. And remember, Lowell and I had been apart for three years other than maybe twice a year. So when I worked in Kansas, I saw him twice a year. Okay. So we had to maintain our partnership through video lessons and stuff like that. So I wasn't prepared with choreography. We had good technique working for us. But he said, again, your job is not to win these opens. I want you to feel like you belong out there, but there's 20 other great women, right? You got a ways to grow. Um, but we'll grow together. So let's see if you even want to do it. And I mean, it's a whole nother level and, and people are swirling around and it looks like a pro pro event because people are just like all over the floor <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but then you finish and you're like, it's just this world of, uh, I guess, excitement and energy. But I guess, yeah, it, to come back to safety, He's never made me go out on a limb and dumped me out there by myself. Like he he sets the stage for this is what we're gonna do in this order. He's deliberate, and I feel comfortable, and that's what I need because I don't open up great to a ton of people. It takes a lot of time for me, but he's built that relationship of trust. And so as I grow with him. I start to learn how I can infuse that into my everyday. And, and that to me is the beauty of it because everywhere I go, I can take a part of that with me. Well, I, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, those were all my questions. I really appreciate you taking the time, Ryan. This is a lot of fun to learn. Well, good. Thank you. You'll probably never invite me back because I probably <laughs> talk so much. No, I loved it. Uh, so this was Ryan, and she is a uh, founding veterinary faculty member at a new veterinary school in Arizona, but she is also a ballroom dancer. <laughs>